What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of the Around the League podcast. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jake. I have a lot to get into today. I feel like I said that every episode, but especially today. Um, offseason is officially here. Since the last time we had a podcast, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are your 2021 NBA champions. Um, they beat the Suns in game six of the NBA Finals, 105-98. And what was kind of a, it was a thrilling, I mean, pretty exciting game uh, down to the wire. Um, Giannis Antetokounmpo won finals MVP. As I know, there was some debate about that. We even debated that on our last episode, but we both agreed Giannis would um, win the finals MVP if, if the Bucks did end up winning, which they did. Um, I guess your overall thoughts, I, I it's kind of like by the time we were doing this podcast now, it's kind of not late news, but um. They're not old news, but kind of is with a lot going on uh, coming up in the NBA and the Olympics. But your overall thoughts on, on the finals and um, I guess, has this been the most exciting finals that you can remember uh, in the recent his- in recent history? Or has this been the most boring finals too? Yeah, I think these finals in terms of the Suns and Bucks um, really just showed that there's two new teams in these finals. Um, we've seen the Warriors, the Cavs, the Heat over the years, the Spurs, teams like that really dominated. And to see a new, fresh two teams in it, um, and the Bucks really, you know, showing that they were, you know, really proving me wrong with the depth uh, thing with DiVincenzo being out. Um, you had his injury in which they lost some defensive depth there, of course. Um, but you look across the roster, and there's really um, a bunch of dogs on that team. Even PJ Tucker said it at the celebration. Um, and it's true. I mean, you look at uh, himself, PJ Tucker, the job that he did on Kevin Durant. I mean, he didn't provide much else. There's games where he shot poorly, didn't make a shot at all, but his defense was the reason they won that, that a big reason why they won that net series. Uh, and then you have uh, Drew Holiday, who's, an absolute hound on defense uh, disrupted both Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And you were thinking to yourself, especially my, uh, myself with my prediction, I'm thinking, okay, Chris Paul and Devin, Devin Booker, you've seen in the Lakers series where Chris, uh, excuse me, Devin Booker came out in, in a closeout game and totally showed out. You saw Chris Paul in the Nuggets series and the Clippers series and closeout games come out and be an absolute uh, dominant fa- factor. And so, You've seen both those guys um, have those types of games, and you just wonder, okay, can they do it in game six, game seven? But absolutely not. I mean, there's just a defensive uh, powerhouse that that is the Milwaukee Bucks in which it didn't matter if they had injuries, if they had, uh, you know, whether it be the DiVincenzo, the Giannis hindering him. Well, not really because, I mean, the guy had an epic finals performances with being uh, having a banged-up knee. Um, we thought he was going to be out earlier in the series, but it sh- it showed up that you know he played all six games and at a very high level. So um, yeah, despite all the all the uh, concerns, and of course there is luck involved. Uh, this Bucks team, I mean, there are very little minuses on this team. You look across the board, Bobby Portis, uh, who who was really huge. I mean, could have been like arguably their second best player in some of these games, but. Um, you know, looking at Giannis, I think you got to give all the credit to him because, yes, he had help with Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. But again, those guys are not always there 
uh, especially on the off- offensive side of the ball. On the defensive side of the ball, it's a little bit different. Uh, but Giannis, you know what you're getting from him uh, game in and game out. And I thought he was, even before the finals, I called him the most consistent and best player throughout these playoffs, and I think he showed that, um, especially down the uh, you know, the stretch in these finals where he had a legendary performance. So uh, for a team that has been heavily criticized from top to bottom, uh, congratulations to them, well-deserved. Yeah, um, I think overall you you hit it on the head. I think in terms of just seeing fresh fresh faces in the finals, uh, obviously very fresh faces because we've mentioned this. Jay Crowder, the only finals player that had finals experience. Um, I think these finals were compelling. Um, I know I can't, to start it wasn't as, but I think as the games went on, uh, people got more and more into it. Um, something I really wanted to hear from you, and I'll give my take also. Where does this put Giannis in terms of um, all-time greats, and where does he rank? Because you look at his statistics now, he has two defensive player of the years, uh, um, a final, two finals MVPs. Is it two defensive player of the years or one? Um, oh, it's double, two. Two, two and two. Um, I believe it's two and two, yeah. And then a finals MVP. Five-time All-NBA uh all rookie into obviously um, and now he has a ring so one 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 time to final uh defensive player of the year my bad uh most one improved time. finals mvp a championship ring four-time all defensive team all-star mvp um where does he rank all time to you well i i think he's already cracked the top 50 but i would venture to say at the end of his career he would he could be a top 10 player um, I think that's pretty certified if he keeps it up. He's 26 years old, um, if I have that correct. And, I mean, the guy is uh, flat out a franchise player. Um, any of the naysayers, the haters, the, criti- uh, the criticism that he receives, uh, at least from my end, I mean, it's kind of gone now because he's done what most people have said that he couldn't do, which is win a title, especially for the way the game is played and the way that he plays the game. Um, it's very... I would say it's very rare to see someone like that who's just super downhill, super uh, back to the basket in which, listen, they don't really use him like that. But when they when he did uh, get utilized like that, which he should be utilized the whole entire season, including the postseason, especially like that, uh, you saw what he did. So to see a rare, uh, I guess, archetype like Giannis is in today's modern NBA where it's all just straight three ball and someone that doesn't necessarily take threes to see that type of player win a championship. It should be uh, a, a look in terms of like where other teams want to take their, their um, like reconsider the type of talent that they want to put on their roster. So uh, I think that Giannis all time definitely deserves a nod at the top 50. Um, and I think that, uh, and he's only 26. So like I said, he has a lot more time to, to win championships with the extension on this Bucks team. And then if he wants to pursue something later on in his career, he does that. Yeah. I, I mean, he's for everything he's done and you think about it, you could really say two of those seasons or, I mean, really he's done everything in, in three, in one, two, three, four, five seasons. Five, I mean, he's played eight seasons, but really he's got all these accomplishments in five seasons um, his first couple years in the league, he was kind of developing from going all the way from six points 
a game his rookie year to now having 28 and doing everything else. I mean, and then four rebounds to his career high was 13, which was last season, not this past season, but the season before. Um, it's remarkable. Uh, 15th overall pick. Um, no one really knew about him in, in a draft class that was pretty much terrible. Uh, Anthony Bennett was the first overall pick, and I don't know where he is now. Um, so it's uh, overall, I mean, you're right. He can end up top 10 all time. Uh, I, I'm interested to see how they um, build back this team. Obviously, the three, get, the three, you know, Middleton, him, and uh, Holiday are locked in, but how they continue to improve, as you see most championships teams do, um, they they try to add pieces, uh, good role pieces as the as the years go on, it, what in in their window that they feel they can win. Um, you know, guys are going to want to go play in Milwaukee now. I think more than before, uh, just because hey, you know. That they they've proved now that they can do it in the in the playoffs, um, and they're not just a regular season team. Um, so yeah, I think uh, overall it's uh, he'll be top ten when it's all said and done. I think, and you can even make an argument he may be go top five. Um, and I you know it's we'll have to wait and see, but he's um, I think the narrative over Giannis has really changed, and even for you and I, I think over the past two, three months in, in this playoff run he's been on where he even missed a couple games due to injury in the conference finals. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the biggest thing is that uh, he was playing, he was literally averaging like close to what, 32 and 15. And this was really like, or more than that, obviously, because he had uh, the big 50-point game in, in the closeout game. He had a 40-point game. Uh, and I think that was two 40-point games, something like that. But he had multiple games uh, in these finals in which he was, um, you know, he was that primary and, and really, like, just separated himself uh, from his teammates and, and showed out why he is um, that MVP franchise player that he really is. Um, and on both sides of the ball, had some great plays defensively that will stand out in, in the uh, minds of NBA fans for the history of this league. And, um Again, I, I just want to quickly uh, just pivot towards the Suns real quick. Uh, I think just in terms of, like, congratulating them on a great season. Uh, as soon as Chris Paul went there, like, we knew that they were going to be this type, maybe not this type of team, but a team, uh, maybe, like, a version of this team. And I think that uh, for them to, like, exceed expectations, for Devin Booker to shine as bright as he did, and DeAndre Aiden, uh, too, I think, really shut out all the noise about him not necessarily being ready for this moment. I was one to say that. Um, but I do think like in a sense, it did kind of get to them the, the kind of like spotlight of the NBA finals. But at the same time, I mean, you have to give credit to Milwaukee in the way that they were able to play them um, and really just um, didn't shut them down, but limit them uh, in their production. So, but I, I do think that, as far as Chris Paul goes, um, I definitely do think that we can't uh, crap on his legacy. I think this is an accomplishment in itself for him to get this far uh, when he's had so many times where uh, he's blown leads, where he's, um, you know, where he's reached the conference finals, not gotten to the finals. So for him to reach the finals, I feel as if he still has more in the tank to give. And I think that We'll have to see uh, where his mind uh, takes him in, in this free agency with his player option. 
uh, and the money that he receives. And uh, but I think he is prioritizing, obviously, that title. Yeah, um, let's move on to the Olympics as uh, Tokyo 2020 Olympics have started. Um, and we talked about USA basketball last episode, and I basically said I wouldn't be surprised if they don't win a medal. And they proved my point a little more. Um, they lost their opening game to France, 83-76, and that was on Monday, I believe, Sunday, Sunday, that was, um, as they have another game, which is at 1240 Eastern a.m. Uh, at night. Uh, obviously, with Tokyo being 13 hours ahead of the East Coast and then 16 hours ahead of the West Coast. Um, so it'd be 9.40 p.m. Uh, Western Standard Time uh, tonight against Iran. But they did lose uh, as Dame, uh, Dame Lillard, KD, and uh, Devin Booker uh, only combined for 25 points in their opening loss. Um, you had Bam, Bam Adebayo with 12 10 and 2. Uh, Drew Holiday was the leading scorer for the team with 18. Um, go figure that one out. A guy who just landed in Tokyo. And I guess you can give Devin Booker a pass to uh, him. Kevin, uh, uh, Chris Middleton and Devin Booker all just landing in Tokyo after they all just played a finals um, or in the finals. Uh, is your concern level? I know last week I, I said 1 to 10. Has it gone up? I forget the what you said last week. I think you were at like a six, no? I think six, yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, I probably have gone up to an eight. Um, I would say that it does uh, cause for concerns from my end just because I've seen them drop. Now, now we're not in exhibition games. We're in actual Olympic matches. And France is definitely out of the three teams we play. I think it's Iran and Czech Republic coming up. Um, at least those are the ones that have been announced and are ready to go here. But um, those, I, I think as far as like France goes, that's going to be the best team that we play. Um, but it's, it's really tough to see like the roster construction that we have. Uh, and I don't really think JaVel McGee has played whatsoever. Um, and that's due to, you know, whatever he has to go through with uh, getting acclimated to the team. The protocols I think are, uh, something that he has to go through as well. So I don't know what necessarily is the issue there, but I do think that teams definitely can overload um, with bigs in the paint. Uh, you saw that with France throughout moments in this game. They played two seven-footers, Rudy Gobert and this other guy I can't remember. Um, but teams can do that. They can load up in, in the front court, um, and they can uh, overpower the U.S. with their size. And not only that, it's important to, to note that, as I mentioned before, the continuity of these teams is there. Like, you can just see it. Example A, uh, what was it? Saturday, yeah, I think either, no, it was Sunday, first game. Sunday morning where uh, at the end of that game, you had literally um, Rudy Gobert try to take Kevin Durant in the paint, missed it, but then a hustle play from another French player led to an Evan Fournier three. Then to close out the game from the U.S.'s side, they had three missed threes that, are, that were all open, but you only needed a two to tie the game. So I understand these are pros and these are makeable shots, but at the end of the day, like, it just needs to be better. Like, it, there, there needs to be more tenacity. There needs to be more fight in these guys, and it's not evident. 
Um, it doesn't matter how talented you are. You can be beat. And I think that's what Evan Fournier said in this quote where it was like, these guys are better than us from an individual standpoint, but as a team, they can be beat. And USA Basketball, as talented as they are, they need to come out with just a bigger chip on their shoulder because right now that chip is way too small. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, my I'm at a 9, 10, I guess. I, I, I truly, I mean, I would hope. And then again, I mean, we thought they would blow by Nigeria in exhibitions. Um, I would hope that they win these next two games versus uh, Czech Republic and Iran. Iran first. Um, and, you know, we're not sitting here next week talking about how they're out of the Olympics already and they don't even make it past the qualifying stage. You know, the the prelim, preliminary um, out of their group. I mean, as it is, it's already going to be hard to get a medal with their one loss. Um, their first loss in the Olympics, by the way, since 2004, uh, which was in Greece. Um, I, I think it, it's just, I mean, I, I don't understand. I know that, that something came out about Gre- they're kind of frustrated with Greg Popovich, who's coaching in his first Olympics, um, and how, you know, he's kind of running the San Antonio offense and they're not happy with it um the offense he's running at the same time also i'm looking at maybe the additions they made um and this isn't by no way any biased it's duncan robinson i think would have been perfect for this team i mean there was a sequence i know it went around on twitter they must have missed five five open threes in a row on a position they were getting the offensive rebound kicking it back out kd missed um i think devin booker I, i forget who missed but there's a whole bunch of guys who just missed a three and that's where you want maybe one of the best sharpshooters and the whole world to be on your team because he can knock that down. I'm not saying he's the difference and he'll put them over the top, but um, I think a lot is wrong here. Um, I don't see, I, I just, I don't know. I, I don't see this team beating uh, a Spain or uh, I can't even think right now, but um, I, I can't see them. I can't see them winning a medal. I truly can't. I just like like you said. And what? Who? I, I saw the quote. Who was it? Who said it? Um, that quote was it. Batum Evan or, Fournier. Evan Fournier, who said, individually, they're they're the best in the world. Uh, have the most co- combined best talent in the world. But as a group, I mean, they just. I, I don't think they have the chemistry. They don't have it. I don't know why. When it, in past Olympics, I mean, you look back in the past. What is it now? Three Olympics where they've won gold, 2008, 2012, and 2016. They won gold and no problem, um, especially that 2016 team, which it wasn't like the same guys from 08 and uh, 12. So um, I don't know. And to me, it's it's I'm not. It's more than concerning. It's just like I, uh, as well as I mean, it, it's kind of a side note. It's weird that until you know, you need to go and find a website to watch the game. You can't even turn on your TV and watch the basketball game, which to me was weird. Uh, instead, they had on archery, no offense, but I would have rather watched the game. But at the same time, maybe it was a blessing that um they didn't have it on because they didn't have to watch, you know, Team USA just collapse on themselves and, and fold again. Um, because to me... Yeah, I mean, they're... Yeah, I mean, they're also going to make us... Wow, I can't even talk. They're also going to make us wake up early to watch these games and to just get, like, not demolished, but I mean, we shouldn't be losing these other teams. Um, I, again, I just feel as if, look, and I'm going to speak from the international side of things. They have the U.S. team on their heels right now. If there was any time for any of these teams to make a statement uh, with their country, 
uh, behind them. It's it's these international teams uh, with the U- United States team having two replacements, three guys that just came out of the finals. Uh, and as I said before, size is an issue and rebounding is an issue. Defensively, it's an issue. So uh, there's legitimate concerns. And again, with Luka Doncic with Slovenia, I don't care who else they have on their team. You just dropped like 45 points the other day. Um, you have France with five NBA guys. You have Spain with four or five guys. Um, Australia that came out and Patty Mills, Joe Ingles, Matisse Thibel. Uh, and so there's some legitimate con- competitors. Nigeria is another one that beat the United States in, in their first exhibition match. Uh, and so there's a handful of teams that um, just play with the heart, their heart on their sleeve. And uh, yeah, I, I just, it's, it's going to be tough um, for the United States to uh, gather the momentum. And again, it's, it's such a short period of time where um, to gather the collectiveness that is garnered towards winning a gold medal. Like it's, it's, I, I don't know if there's enough time. I, I, I truly don't know. It's a, and of course, we can just always go back to the individual talent level, and maybe we're just over exaggerating. But again, it's it's tough not to look at the international side of things and say that that hasn't caught up. Yeah, I mean, Evan Fournier, no disrespect, putting up twenty eight points on Team USA. I, I don't know where it comes from. I know FIBA basketball and, and Olympic basketball is much different from the NBA, um, and but. Kevin Durant's been in the Olympics. Um, Draymond Green been in the Olympics. I guess there's not that much experience on this USA team compared to uh, you know all these international guys who Evan Fournier growing up played in in these type of rules. The rules are different. Frank, you know everyone else because you know most of these guys in in the on Team USA have only ever lived in obviously you know played in America and never went overseas. Um, but I would expect them to transition pretty flawlessly and just I don't know I think there's a lot going on obviously Greg Popovich as a coach I thought I would never question his coaching but maybe something has to do with that and his coaching philosophy with all these guys um there's a lot to figure out like in a short amount of time like they do it Ryan aren't there like aren't 10 or 11 of them first time Olympians like that's something that's really key to note because yeah yeah as I was looking at this yeah because I know Kevin Durant's been on an Olympic team and Draymond Green been on an Olympic team. The rest of them, I've, I don't think I've ever been on Olympic teams. To be honest, Kevin Love was, but he's not no longer on the team. So yeah, Kevin. Lo- yeah, exactly. Yeah, to be honest, if if we're gonna make excuses for them, I guess that's the greatest excuse. I'm not in, here to make excuses. These guys are all probably better than you know. Each of these guys are a top two to three player, and that's including Javale McGee and Keldon Johnson on any other uh, international, you know. France, Nigeria, Japan, whoever's playing, you know, Spain, they're probably top two to three guys on other teams. And, you know, you put them together, they should be able to figure it out um, because the it's not like they're playing against LeBron, Steph Curry, and uh, James Harden. You know, they're playing against, no disrespect, Rudy Gobert, Evan Fournier, uh, Gerson, Yabuselli, Nicholas Batum, and, and uh, Timothy uh, Kaboon. What, what? How are you? How are you saying? I don't want to. I, no, no, no. Seriously, I don't. I don't mean to be disrespectful. I, I, I just don't want to butcher his name. 
but you get my point. Um, putting up 28 on, on Team USA for Evan Fournier, that should be the highlight of his career, and he'll remember it for a long time. Um, let's move on. And we're kind of going a little faster than what I thought. Um, to the, the trade that happened yesterday, uh, recording this on Tuesday, so on Monday, the Grizzlies and Pelicans made a deal. Kind of a head-scratcher to me, uh, but I'll let you give your thoughts. The Pelicans sending Stephen Adams, Eric Bledsoe, um, and then I believe the 10th pick, uh, the 10th pick, and then a future first-round pick um, to the Grizzlies for center Jonas Valanciunas, the 17th pick, and I believe the 50. Yeah, I can. The first pick, which is a second-round pick. Yeah, uh, and I think because um, we talked about because that's New Orleans side. Memphis side also has a second rounder in there this year, which is forty, I think. Yeah, which to be honest, the second rounders are not the main part of the deal. Um, my, well, it's the extra pick and then and then yeah. moving up. So that's really yeah. what it is. And I mean, I think yeah, the, the two first round picks are huge here. Um, as well as, obviously, the players being swapped. I'll let you go first on this, because I actually have kind of a lot of questions about this trade, but your your initial thoughts on this. I mean, I think if you're looking at it from a player perspective, it's a sweep from New Orleans' end, because Jonas Valanciunas is one of the most underrated players in the league. Um, And I truly think that, I mean, he's a double-double threat, and you could even say, I mean, instant double-double threat every time he touches the floor. Um, For the Memphis Grizzlies, I didn't really understand it because he's such a productive player where John Morant and then who else, okay? Uh, I mean, Jonas Valanciunas is there. Um, And so for them to move off off of him, for Steven Adams, that is a load of money, Bledsoe, who likely won't play for them, but again, you're taking on salary there, um, to really move up to 10. I mean, if we talk about, like, yeah, Memphis won from a draft capital perspective, but those picks have to hit. And so they must really find someone in that draft or they must know of someone that they're going to take that they truly believe in. Uh, Mike Schmitz, the uh, draft expert, had labeled them getting Josh Giddy, and that's something, someone they're looking uh, forward to drafting uh, on that uh, number 10 pick. And uh, he's a great playmaker, uh, and so he could slide in there with John Moran and give him an extra boost when it comes to that play, playmaking aspect. So um, that's kind of just what he's known for uh, and has good positional size at 6'8". And so that's just kind of like who they're looking for at that pick because that has to do a lot with who wins this deal is who they take at number 10. Uh, and of course, I mean, New Orleans also can hit at number 17. So in a draft so deep, um, I'm not sure if there's so much of a drop off from 10 to 17. Like I I don't, again, I'm not smart enough within this draft to know if 10 to 17 is really going to make a big difference, but I would imagine, I mean, looking at some of the talent uh, just off of like draft profiles and stuff like that. uh, Maybe there is, I don't know. Uh, That's all up to speculation. But the point is, is that look, like I said before, Valanciunas, I think he's the best player in this deal. Uh, I don't know why Memphis really had to trade him and you know make all that happen if they were really just looking for number 10 and 
Steven Adams is a downgrade for them uh, for Memphis. That is. And so I don't know. That's just kind of my two cents. Quick little summary on that trade. But yeah, uh, we'll have to see what other moves uh, New Orleans makes because this is a very good one for them. I like it, uh, at least for for the short term right now. Uh, We'll have to see what happens with the draft capital. But uh, this is even more important when you look at restricted free agency for them with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and then looking at uh, who they want the most in free agency, the top free agents like Kyle Lowry uh, is a name that is really roaming around uh, for New Orleans to pick up this offseason. So there's a lot you have to like for this uh, New Orleans Pelicans team within this trade. Uh, As for the Memphis Grizzlies, I mean, it's it's okay. I mean, I, Steven Adams is not a bad NBA player. He's a quality NBA player. Um, but how much better do you get off this trade? That's the main question that I want to see answered, and we'll see if it's answered in the draft right away. The Memphis Grizzlies better hit on uh, their number 10 pick. Um, that's all I'm going to say. You're, at, you're losing 10 points a game from your center. Uh, Jonas Valanciunas last season averaging, I believe it was a career high. Yeah, career high 17 points a game and 12 and a half rebounds while Steven Adams went for seven and I round up to nine. Um, I, I don't understand the trade at all. I know maybe the draft picks and also I'll be flat honest. I don't know this draft as well as I did past drafts. So there might be someone there. You mentioned Josh, Josh Giddy. Um, a guy who I've heard of but haven't done too much research on. There might be a guy there that they feel, you know, is going to be there and they really, really like. Um, uh, For the Grizzlies, um, you're getting two horrendous contracts. Um, Steven Adams starting next year. Yeah, he still has two more years on his deal uh, for both $17 million. And then Eric Bledsoe also has two more years on his deal, $18 and $19 million. All no options, all guarantees everything um yeah to me this is a head scratcher um and i i don't i don't really understand it but uh i guess both teams do for the pelican side a great great trade um i think you get a guy in valentrunas who is you know can rebound the ball shoots 36 percent from three can spread the floor, I guess. I mean, he doesn't take that many threes a game. He takes close to one three-point attempt a game. Um, but still, a, a valuable body that you can use um, in the paint with with uh, Zion. Excuse me. Um, you get the 17th pick, so you're going to get a quality player, a quality role player that you can use in the rotation. Um, because I think uh, for New Orleans, you know, they're they're trying to prove to Zion, even though it's still early, that hey, you know, we're going to build around you and win. Um, because there's already been rumblings that Zion's not happy there just after two years. Uh, and that's two weird years of NBA basketball. Um, yeah, it's just to me, I, I, I looked at this trade and at first I was like, oh, okay, whatever. It is what it is, a trade. And then the more I looked into this trade from yesterday to today, I just was more confused with why this was, why the, the Grizzlies ever agreed to this. I'm John Moran. I'm like, you guys better, you know, put something around me because, you know, or already in place, but, you know, have flexibility and, and get some good guys in here and better draft someone at 10 that was worth trading, you know, my center to that I could just throw up lobs to and um, could get me rebounds. Yeah, I will say, I think I believe in the Memphis Grizzlies front office to do the right thing at 10. 
and to select their guy again. They wouldn't be doing this trade if it wasn't that they believed highly in a prospect. So we'll see what ends up happening Thursday night. Uh, and I think that, again, this is the time where, and it just so happens these are two teams that just had uh, the number one and number two overall picks in 2019, respectively, uh, uh, making this deal. And so this is the time now where you have to start really building. I mean, this is really crunch time for them this next season because uh, John Moran and, and Zion Williams are, are a, part of, a part of that class where they're going to have to get extensions next season. That's They're available for that. So they really have to it's really boom or bust as far as building around these young guys. And so both these teams, uh, again, this is just, uh, kind of just kind of lit the fire in terms of what they should be doing as far as trades and moves go. But, uh, we hope to see more because you just saw a prime example, actually two prime examples in Luka Doncic and, um, and more in, uh, in Trey young where, they built around them and they were able to really flourish in, in the playoffs. Um, and I'm mostly talking about Atlanta's side, but still, I mean, Luka Doncic, I expect them to be, be very active as well. So these are two teams uh, that made this deal that it's sort of just um, one trade that should be encompassed by a lot more trades to come. Yeah. And I think, and, um... You seem to have, we've had a lot of good points over the past couple of podcasts, um, but uh, I think something to look for is Kyle Lowry's name has, all, has really popped up for that point card job in New Orleans. I know he's asking for like three years, $90 million about um, at age 35. I know there's going to be teams that are willing to give him that just because of how valuable he is. They also have Lonzo Ball restricted for agent. Um, Brandon Ingram's name has been popped up in trades. Uh, and what they could get back with trading him, you know, who knows? Duncan Robinson has been, uh, David Griffin is very high in Duncan Robinson, also another restricted free agent. Um, so be interesting to see. Let's move on to the draft, which is Thursday night. I know last year we did a whole mock draft episode. Um, I think this year we're just going to put out a mock draft on our Instagram at underscore around the league underscore. So go check that out. That should be up by like Thursday. Um, but I'll go over um the top 10 i guess or uh which is starts off with detroit houston cleveland toronto orlando oklahoma city golden state orlando again sacramento and then as we just mentioned with the trade uh, memphis is at number 10 rounding out the top 10. um there's been a lot of talk at the top uh with mate potential movement um i know Teams like uh, Oklahoma City are looking to move up in the draft. Uh, Detroit has gotten some offers, and they're still looking at guys. I presume that Kate Cunningham, uh, who was a freshman who went to Oklahoma State last year and was a freshman, is presumably the number one overall pick. Whoever will be there at number one, if it's Detroit or if someone else moves into number one. Um, you have Orlando, two top ten picks. Interesting to see what they do. Um, is there a, a, and I guess we'll do a little buy or sell in a second, but is there a prospect, and I know neither of us have done the research we should have had uh, for this draft, but is there a prospect that you're looking at that most people aren't talking about? Uh, hmm. It's a good question. I would say, man, I, I should just take my guy. I would say, I would say Scotty Barnes, but 
he is a top five projected pick, so maybe not so much him. Uh, I will say uh, there was a good video from the ringer that talked about Alfred Sangun, uh, who's a prospect, I believe, in Turkey and was super accomplished over there. And he's actually super interesting in terms of like how he his play style um, and just he plays very back to the basket, very traditional center and not really so much as an outside threat. Um, and so that would be one prospect I look at and be like, and, and really a great rebounder as well to add on to that. So that would be one prospect I would look at and be intrigued by. Uh, and I think people should talk more about him because it's super interesting to, to think about uh, regardless of like the stock that you put into him, just thinking about like his play style. Like, I think that's just super interesting to think about uh, how if that will really add up in this league and really uh, we'll see a uh, return of that type of center and, and more of that type of center uh, as we get into the future drafts. And we have one here in Alfred Sangun, so I would say him. Um, but there's definitely, like I said, I, I think the draft starts at pick five. I already alluded to that before with Scotty Barnes, but I would say – if not five, definitely six. Um, and again, Oklahoma City is there. So again, they could trade. I've heard that uh, the Warriors definitely should trade uh, either at least one of their two picks. Um, and if it's for a star that is worth trading both, you trade both. Uh, and then I've also heard things about Cleveland. Uh, if they're in a weird spot at three with who, depending on who they can take, they can always um, move down or move out of the draft and uh, or they're not going to move out of that. You know what I mean? Like they're just going to move out of that pick um, and try to um, and try to take someone else. Um, and so there there are some debatable uh, and potential avenues for for some of these teams here that are that are super interesting. We'll have to see come draft night uh, what happens. For me, I, I mean, and not it's kind of just not answering my question, but just um, kind of is, kind of isn't. Davion Mitchell from from uh, Baylor, uh, I really, really like his game. Um, I've seen mock drafts where he goes as high as like six, five, six, and then as low as late lottery, even at right outside the lottery. Um, I think what he can bring to a team and even potentially a playoff team um, with his uh, shot making, playmaking, uh, his defense. Um, everything he brings, I think he can be a real impact player quickly. I know he's kind of undersized. Uh, he's 6'2", and then also he's a junior. So um, I think nowadays, which is weird to say, um, kind of the top teams are looking for, you know, either fresh, like, you know, freshmen who are 18, 19 years old and not more of a 20, 21-year-old who I guess doesn't have, even though this doesn't make sense, but I think this is how NBA teams think. Um, not as long, you know, has already developed into what he's probably going to be and might not much be more room to grow. Um, I guess we can start with the buy or sell and I'll start off with your guy who goes to your school, uh, Scotty Barnes. Are you buying or selling him being a top four pick? A top four pick. I will say that's a very good question because as far as I know and what I've heard, I believe that, the Toronto Raptors really like Scotty Barnes, but I do think Jalen Suggs is the right pick there. Um, 
an established guard. We've already mentioned uh, Davion Mitchell, who had a great tourney run, uh, has improved every year, especially, I think, from beyond the arc. He's had uh, great numbers as he's progressed throughout his years. Um, but I think Jalen Suggs is the right pick at four. Scotty Barnes, I think, is might be a no-brainer pick at five um, for the Magic, even though they kind of have uh, some forwards there. You take the best player available, um, and Scotty Barnes is super versatile, so you can really plug him, and, and he can go to work. Um, and so, yeah, I, I think Jalen Suggs is the pick at four um, for the Toronto Raptors. Like I said, established guard. Uh, has played in big-time moments, shown up in big-time moments, because it's two different things if you can just play in big moments and then hit the literally game-winning shot uh, against UCLA. So, uh, again, has the floor vision, has the toughness, um, and has everything you want in a player in which can play on a Raptors team that is looking for a bounce-back year. I, I think they're, again, with... There's weird reasons as far as like the location where they were at, but I think it's a very valid reason. Like I think when they get back to Toronto, uh, they will be uh, somewhat the same. Uh, and I think that they are very much the same as years prior. And um, there are a competitive bunch adding Jalen Suggs to that mix uh, and seeing what happens with Lowry because it's not guaranteed. And it's also not guaranteed that other players stay on that roster, especially with Ben Simmons getting rumored to, to go over there. Uh, and yeah, I like Jalen Suggs at that pick. Uh, let me just wrap this up uh, that way. And I think Scotty Barnes goes five. Yeah, I, I think um, the top four are kind of locked in. And I don't know what way they go, but I think Cade's locked in at one and then Two to two to four um, in some way is Jalen Green, Evan Mobley, and Jalen Suggs. I don't know in what order that is. Um, it all depends on what I, I think for the Rockets. Um, do they pair Christian Wood with another big um, and Evan Mobley, or do they go to that guard position? If they do, do they like Jalen Suggs or Jalen Green? Jalen Green playing uh, not in college, but in that G League Ignite program. Um, to me, I really, really like Jalen Suggs. I liked what I saw from him in the tournament. I liked what I saw from him all year long. Um, I know there's been some questions about him. Um, but I, I think that any of these teams, Rockets, Cavs, or uh, Raptors, can't go wrong if they pick him. Um, for Scotty Barnes, I think he falls right outside that. I think also how deep that Florida State team was. I think if he was on a team where he was that number one scoring option and um, – I think developed his offensive game quicker. Uh, he would be in that conversation. Um, but I think whoever gets Scotty Barnes as well, if it's in the top four, if it's the Magic at five or getting themselves a winner, um, it'll be interesting to see if the Magic do pick him up five. That'll be two forwards from Florida State that the Magic have and Jonathan Isaac and uh, Scotty Barnes. Um, I want to go to another G League Ignite player who's coming in this draft, Jonathan Kaminga. Um, by or so, he goes in the top ten. Yeah, I, th I think he will be a guy that will end up going in the top 10. Um, but he also could be, and I know this is kind of going in another direction uh, from just this uh, previous answer that I talked about, but I, I do see him also going outside of the top 10. So it's a little weird 
and I think that ultimately he does go inside the top 10 because um, he has arguably, like, there's a chance, like, I would say probably, I think experts have, like, gone from, like, 25 to 30%, somewhere in that range, that he has, like, the most, like, potential. Um, like, if he can unlock his potential, like, he's going to be great. But he's just a really raw prospect. Uh, he played on the same uh, G League uh, Ignite team that Jalen Green did. Uh, and I do think that he has a lot of room to grow uh, as far as, like, his offensive game goes. Um, I think that there's potential there, but uh, he just has to hone in on, you know, getting his jump shot right um, and and stuff like that. I, I just think that uh, there needs to be a team, and it's been rumored like Golden State maybe, but I, I don't know. I just – I don't really trust Golden State with the whole Wiseman experiment, and I don't know if he ends up going there. Um, but I would – not that I would be shocked if he goes outside of the top 10. I just feel as if he was rumored to be like a top five, top six pick until there's just a bunch of speculation going on. And he's that guy that could slip. Um, but I do end up thinking my gut tells me top 10. Yeah. Um, I, he's another one that, or I don't say another one. I think that with this whole G league thing, not going to college, um, it raises not questions for me. It's just you don't get to see as much of him, I think. And I hope that the NBA teams, obviously, their job is to see enough of him, especially those you know top ten teams, um, because I think um, that they um, you know that's their job. And, and I think he has a lot, a lot of talent. I don't know how much of that was developed in a weird year where he goes to the G League, plays like in a bubble setting. Um, all of that, so I think it's he's probably he's still very raw, um, but I also will buy that he he goes top ten. Um, I I I was reading the same things you did in terms of just uh, he could have the best uh, upside in this draft possibly. Um, moving on and really uh, kind of the last one for me here, um, buy or sell uh, Gonzaga guard and guard slash forward really Corey Kisberg senior. Um, Buy or sell, he goes in the lottery. Hmm. Let me think here. Uh, I mean, if Golden State kept their pick at 14 and really wanted to get cocky with all the shooting, they could take them. Um, but uh, I, would, I was hearing that New Orleans, uh, they're not at 10 anymore, but they were really going to look at taking them just because they traded J.J. Gretik and they really don't have any shooting. Um, in that backcourt and around Zion in general. So that was a team that I looked at as a potential get uh, for Kispert. Uh, I really like Kispert. Uh, he's, he literally moves just like Joe Ingles. There's been footage that is literally broke down both of them and it it's identical. So that's his draft comparison. But um, I would say read me off 11, 12 and 13. Real quick, Ryan, if you have it pulled up. Hornets, Spurs, Pacers, and then 14, obviously, Warriors. Real quick, before you answer that, you brought up the, the Pelicans, and they just moved back to 17, right? If if he can fall into their lap, I think that's perfect for a team that needs shooting desperately. Um, I mean, 
44% from three uh, this past season. Um, I think that, just, I mean, you mentioned Joe Ingles. I, I haven't seen that. Joe, Joe yeah. Harris. Did I, I say Joe Ingles? Yeah, you did. My bad. Joe Harris, um, which I should have thought about because it didn't make sense, Joe Ingles. Um, but, and it makes more sense as I think about it. I think Joe Harris, Duncan Robinson, I mean, he can be up there with the be- the lead of the lead of shooters in this league. Um, him being He's a, arguably the best shooter in the draft, really. I, I think he is the best shooter in the draft. Um, Maybe him, Moses Moody. Those are like the two guys that come to mind. Yeah, yeah so, um, but getting back to your point, Hornets, Spurs, and Pacers at 11 through 13, and then obviously the Warriors at 14. Yeah, uh, I would say, again, my joke about the Warriors, I don't think they take them. But uh, looking at Memphis, I don't think they take them either. Um, because we're really just arguing for late lottery here. I don't think he goes within the top 10. Uh, and then the Hornets at 11, I think they go Kai Jones. Um, they desperately need a center. The Spurs, I see them taking like Sangoon or like just some like international prospect or just someone super crafty that they can develop, you know, pop. I mean, just the type of offense he likes to likes to run. Um, and then the Pacers at 13, that could be potentially interesting, um, but I, I still don't believe that. So maybe fate does its work and he lands with the Pelicans. Maybe it's just meant to be, but we'll have to see. I, I think that he does uh, land outside the lottery. I, th- I think that would be my prediction. Yeah, Um I'm looking at these teams, and I mean, I guess 12 with the Spurs uh, could be interesting. Um, 11 with the Hornets. I don't know. I think, again, this goes, and it's weird. As a senior, I think it drops his draft um, stock because teams, as a lottery team, you know, they want That's some. a good point. Yeah. So I, I think that maybe the Pelicans knew what, or uh, the Pelicans knew what they were doing, dropping. Um, and thinking, hey, we can still get this guy outside the lottery, um, but I think they would be per, it would be a home run pick. And I think after, when we do our podcast next week with free agency, and then also recapping the draft, if Corey Kispert ends up on the Pelicans, we're both going to be looking at it like that. You know, that might be the home run pick of the draft. Um, other than that, though, that pretty much does. We, we might need to address one more thing. Um, I think I think uh, picks two and three. Um, I'd address this. Uh, on our social medias, that's something that's super interesting uh, because it could either go Jalen Green at two or Evan Mobley at two. And then the Cavs, it falls into their lap what they're going to do uh, at that pick three. So, uh, yeah, I, I do think as if Mobley would be more suited on the Cavs just because of that backcourt. Um, but who knows what Houston does? I mean, well, they may just take the best player available, which in my opinion – let me. Uh, counter to what people think i think it's evan mobley just because i see both sides of the ball uh and i like players that have really great potential on both ends of the floor so i like evan mobley but let me ask you this and let's uh, i'm I'm saying let's say kevin love gets traded this offseason uh him and colin sexton get shipped off together then so if if kevin mobley does fall in the Cavs' lap and he doesn't get picked at two does that show a sign that uh, Jared Allen is on the move, and they don't re-sign him. Him going into no. 
No, or they'll keep. They're pairing the two of them together, and they just have the twin towers in the front court. Yeah, they just they pair them and just go crazy. I mean, Evan Mobley is a guy that, uh, again, can pass good for his size. I mean, he's not only just a defensive monster. Like I said, he plays both sides of the ball, uh, and so. I mean, he could defend like like crazy. We just saw one of the guys also came out of USC, ironically, in uh, Onyeko Okungwu with the Hawks putting great minutes against Giannis. Again, it's Giannis, but he was able to withstand um, the force that Giannis plays with and really just hold his own uh, as a rookie. So you look at that type of build uh, and even like, I feel like, and it makes me so happy as a Heat fan, like, teams just going after this BAM prototype. Um, and again, I'm not saying Evan Mobley is BAM, whatever, but uh, based off of at least like draft um, analysis or whatever, but just looking at players like this, he's seven feet um, and he's mobile, versatile, can pass, like I said. So there's a lot you have to like about Evan Mobley. Um, I personally am pretty high on him. Uh, unlike maybe most people are uh, over green. But again, you can't go wrong with either pick. Um, I just feel as if the Cavs would take him. Um, And that might be, like you said, it might be a thing where it might not just be a guy that fell into the lap. It might be more than that where it's like, okay, this is kind of hinting at the public that we're going to do something with our other players. So it might not just be so simple as we're just going to take the guy it's like okay now we have other moves that we're going to make uh this is just the guy that we happen to get and he we're going to build around him so yeah um there's a lot of intrigue in this draft i think this draft could we could look back on this draft and look at it possibly as you know one of the greatest collection of talents in a very long time with um all the players in this draft i mean i'm looking down the list here it's like even guys like Jalen Johnson who um in this mock draft I'm looking at he's projected at 13 um you have guys you know like Brandon Boston who, who was at one time supposed to be a, a lottery pick now at, in the late first round early second um you have a whole bunch of guys that just to me um are really really intriguing in this draft and I'm really really excited Thursday night at 8 p.m on ESPN to watch um that pretty much do it uh i know i'm excited really for our next episode free agency special we'll be having uh possibly a guest on um as well to talk some olympic olympic basketball as we were actually as much as team usa is not doing good we didn't even get into luca this episode but i'm i'm pretty intrigued with uh, the olympic basketball and what's going on there um where can they find us on social media jake where can they listen to us obviously you're listening to us somewhere right now but there's other places to listen to us and uh that pretty much do it yeah, you guys can listen to us on Apple Pods, Spotify, and the Anchor app. Uh, and then our social medias, make sure you guys check out our Instagram at underscore on the league underscore, uh, our Twitter at underscore ATL podcast underscore, and then our TikTok that is extremely active. Uh, I'm handling that. So uh, just could go check out our videos on there at ATL podcast. Give us a follow and just be up to bit up to date on everything you need to hear about the podcast. So that'll do it. Peace out. Peace.